Welcome to the Diocesan Digest, a news outlet for the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, Director of Media and Technology. In these short episodes, we will share the latest news, ministry stories, clergy, spotlights, and much more about the Diocese of Oklahoma each week. If you or your congregation wants to share a ministry story or other important news item, or even a particular topic you want to see covered on the podcast, please contact me at smith at epiok.org. A few announcements, folks. The 2020 Christian Formation Calendar is available on our website and on Facebook. So especially if you or your kids are interested in a lot of the amazing youth programming that is coming up, be sure to check it out. Also be sure to sign up for Bishop Ed and Debbie's Retirement Dinner on February 28th at the Civic Center. You can find that on our website as well under the News and Events tab, then clicking on the Events Calendar. Lastly, this Saturday, the Reverend Chris Cole will be ordained to the Sacred Order of Deacons at Trinity Tulsa at 11 a.m. Okay, this week I had the pleasure to chat with the Reverend Janie Koch. Mother Janie is the vicar of All Saints McAllister. Mother Janie and I talk about her growing up in the Baptist faith and her journey to ordination in the Episcopal Church. She also shares her experience of celebrating the Eucharist for the first time and how she got into tattoos. I had such an awesome time getting to know Mother Janie and her kind and faithful heart. Can't wait to share it with y'all, so let's get to it. Here is Mother Janie. How do you like to be referred as? Do you go, do you like Mother? I always have this talk with women priests. Do do you cool with that or would you prefer reverend mother, or, yeah mother mother's cool i love yeah. mother yeah i, think I didn't at first when okay. i first was ordained i didn't like it because um i always think of mother Teresa. yeah I'm she's mother a Teresa. lot to live up to mm-hmm. <gasps> no and i'm also i made a choice not to have children yeah so i'm not a mom so you know it took a long time for me to, and it still kind of twinges me occasionally because I, I just don't, I don't know. Yeah. Where's me I, off? I okay. feel like your function and your role in the church as is a man's, a man's role as a father, right? It's the yeah. exact same function. You are literally caring for a community of people. Yeah. And, and that in and of itself is like this kind of parental Mm-hmm. maternal role yeah so i personally like it i, I know people get upset and yeah. and and that's fine you yeah know, to each their yeah, own sure but I'm, I'm glad that i can call you mother because i think it's yeah. cool cool um all right so mother janie tell us a little bit about your background where are you from where'd you grow up and and how's like living in McAllister? i've never been to McAllister only okay um well i grew up in a very small town um in close to Wichita Falls, Texas. It's okay. just um, probably 45 minutes south of Lawton. And, but the town where I grew up is actually Iowa Park. And there were about 
3,000 people in the town, it still doesn't have a red light, which we're wow. very proud of that. Wow. Um, so I grew up in a small town. Everybody knows everybody. You couldn't go into the Piggly Wiggly without uh, getting bread and milk was, you know, it took an hour um, because my mom knew everybody in town and it was so irritating. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and, um, and I grew up Baptist and my grandparents, my maternal grandparents were Church of God, Pentecostal um, church planters, mm -hmm. you know, 50, 60 years. And so I spent a lot of my summers at my grandmother's going to her church, singing her hymns um, and being in a, a very charismatic kind of environment and that kind of outpouring of prayer and, and, and all that. And, but I grew up with my parents being Baptist and I went to Baylor and, um, that's and, right. You went to Baylor. I know. Yeah. See, I went to Notre Dame. We didn't care for Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of people in Oklahoma don't care for Baylor. Yeah. 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 So, uh, anyway, um, yeah, Baylor has their years and, and then, their years bite them. So yeah, it happens. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and um, I lived in Seattle for about 10 years and mm. loved it. And, and actually, you know, going from a very small town to a big town of Seattle with all the th stuff to do and um, lots of different neighborhoods and areas and a lot of diversity. And, um, and I loved that as well. Um, and kind of getting lost in the crowd was, um, was a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and lots of opportunities to watch and observe and, um, you know, create stories of what mm -hmm. people are doing and thinking and behaving and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I lived in Montana for, um, several years and again with diversity, but big open space. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, and during this time I was married and, um, during the time I was in Seattle, I was married and then, um, moved to Enid and, um, and Enid, um, was again, kind of going back to that small town vibe that really resonated with me and I loved it. And, um, and I also loved, I loved the Southern hospitality. Um, and it is a tangible, palpable, mm -hmm. it, it's its own entity. And mm -hmm. I loved it. And, um, and when I um, graduated from seminary and I was doing my curacy at St. Matthew's in Enid, um, um, and I was teaching high school English, I knew that there were a lot of positions that were open in the diocese. And I, you know, I reached out to the Bishop and said, if you need me, um, and you think I'm ready, then, um, let me do what you want. And so, um, I came to McAllister and, oh my goodness, it is amazing here. Um, and it's funny that Oklahoma is not that big, 
but you still have the diversity in the, oh, yeah. the geography and the texture and the landscape. And I love it. Um, McAllister is quirky and um, the people are amazing. And again, we don't have Piggly Wigglies here, but you go into <laughs> the grocery store and you're going to see people, you know, right. Um, right. Just like what I grew up with yeah. and it's very, very comforting. Um, yeah. And I'm very much at home here. So I love that. I'm so glad yeah. to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit. I want to know how you got from the Baptist tradition to the Episcopal tradition. Okay. Um, when I was, when I got married, um, I was Baptist and, um, and he was atheist agnostic. I'm not sure. And, um, but anyway, he didn't attend church and he didn't, um, um, didn't have a favorable view of God. And, um, and so that, um, you know, scripture says, don't be unequally yoked. And that's a, uh, it's a very real thing. Um, mm. And being yoked could be spread to a lot of different areas, as we know, but um, in that way. And so I left the church for about 20 years and wow. didn't have anything to do with God and didn't want anything to do with God. And mm. Um, and when my grandmother that I spent summers with and such, when my grandmother passed away in 2012, um, it really hit me. And I realized that everything that she believed in and everything that she desired and was passionate about, which was Christ, I had, um, I had walked away from that and I didn't have in my life what she had. And I realized I needed to make some serious changes. And so I started and I, in that soon after that I divorced and, and I started to attend um, the Baptist church where I grew up with my parents, um, which they've been members of that church since 1974. Um, and so I knew everybody there. I mean, my third grade English teacher went there. Um, my fourth grade teacher who gave me my only licks that I've ever had in school oh, wow. um, went to that church. And so, but it did the liturgy, the, um, the, the vibe, I guess, the spirituality of the church didn't resonate with me anymore after having been gone for so long. And so I um, started visiting various different churches in the town and in the surrounding towns and, um, and visited the Episcopal church that was there in Wichita Falls. And oh my goodness, I fell in love with it immediately. Um, with going back to the prayer book and holding a book in your hands that you follow along and, um, and kneeling when you pray, having that reverence, both not only, you know, mentally and with your heart, but also with your body and mm -hmm. your body is doing something mm -hmm. that is responsive to God's presence in that place and where you are. 
Um, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and, um, and I very soon after decided to go to seminary for my own education and to, because I wanted to learn and I didn't go into seminary with the intention of being ordained. Really? Um, and a lot of my colleagues that I was in seminary with would ask me, you know, when are you going to be ordained? What's your track? What's, you know, when are you, you know, where are you in your process? They just assumed that because of your deep love and curiosity. Yeah. And that everybody who, typically everybody who goes to right. seminary, they're, they're going to be ordained. And, yeah. yeah. And um, it wasn't until my actual last term that I was there that I finally decided, okay, God, if this is something that you want me to do, then you're going to have to you're going to have to open the doors and you're going to have to make it really, really clear. Um, and, um, and so it's kind of like, um, the story of Joshua or is it Gideon? I'm having a brain cramp for a second, laid out the fleece and said, God, you know, put the dew on the grass, but mm -hmm. not on the fleece. Mm -hmm. And then the next night, you know, put the dew on the fleece, but not the grass. I mean, it's got to be really obvious. And, um, and so um, I, I went into the process. And, and at that time, at that point, I was living in Oklahoma now. And, um, and it was, it's, it's been amazing. It's been very um, challenging. And, um, but it's been very, very, very good. Yeah. So was there a big moment that you think God was like, here you go. This is what we're doing. Um, in a way, it's funny because when I grew, when I was little, very, very little, of course, I grew up Baptist. I didn't know anything about this, but people would ask me, Janie, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my answer was always, I want to be a nun. I want to hmm. be a nun. And i I don't know if it was Sally Field and the Flying Nun or, or what it was, but that was always my answer. And, and I think that even then God was calling me into something um, with um, a palpable ministry, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't, I don't believe that I had that kind of moment where God said, this is it. Mm -hmm. As I look back at, at people who influenced me in seminary and family who influenced me, um, my cousin, John, who's in St. Matthew's, um, he, um, we talked a lot about what it's like to be a priest. And, um, and we lived together for, several years and I, I watched him and I saw mm. what it's like. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I was talking to, uh, my spiritual director and, and I, and I, I told him, or I questioned him, you know, how do you know, how do you really know? And he said, for some people it's, you know, God speaks to them like 
Moses and the burning bush. Right. Um, but for some, it's a series of, of times where God is talking. And I believe that he was letting me know through people that I trusted, spiritual directors, my family, um, very close friends whom I trusted. Um, and when I think back, it's all those little events that kept reaffirming and reaffirming and reaffirming. And yeah. the rest of it was just my own fear or stubbornness or anxiety and saying, okay, mm-hmm. just to be able to say, okay, God, I'm not going to resist or fight or sidestep anymore. If this is what you want, right. make it work. Wow. That's awesome. And you grew up in a tradition that, and it, I, I'm assuming it was like a, was it a Southern Baptist type? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they don't ordain women and you probably didn't see women preaching or doing priestly things and in an official capacity. So how has that been? I mean, maybe, you know, I'm thinking your time in Seattle and being away from the faith, you realize like women can, you know, be liberated from patriarchal oppression and have leadership roles but was there any sort of hurdle to jump to to be like I want to be a priest instead of I don't know taking monastic orders to be a nun I mean you you could have done that I mean mm-hmm. and that that is a different I mean there's a hierarchy in the catholic church or other types of denominations whereas the episcopal church like will ordain women as priests so was yes. there any I don't know yes I get your job, you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. Um, and a hurdle in my own mind, my dad is a deacon in the Baptist church and, Mm. and for the longest time, um, even while I was in seminary, I, a lot of my friends were going through the track to be ordained, but I, even in seminary in an Episcopal seminary, I still believe that women should not be ordained, but Um, but I also saw in seminary, some incredibly strong women, Mm. um, strong in their faith, strong Mm. in their own personality. Mm. And I also saw their humility and their desire to, um, to do what God has called them to do in whatever capacity. And and it's, I started to realize that women have gifts and talents and intuitive nature, and we're also strong and resilient. And, and again, I think it was that, own, that process of God saying, don't put me in a box. Mm-hmm. I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than the limitations that you're putting on the work that I can do. And that's when this um, kind of old foundation that I had been raised in really started to erode and change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you did, you went to Neshota House for Divinity School, correct? Mm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know a ton about Neshota House. Um, I, it was, it's an Episcopal seminary. It is yeah. an Episcopal seminary. And, and yet, um, even when I was there for the first couple of terms that I was there, um, we women were not given the peace by several of the men who were there. Oh, wow. And I, I didn't really notice, but my colleagues did and started to talk and mm -hmm. we started to, to speak about it. And, mm -hmm. and they were probably more hurt about it than I was. And I thought, you know, that I'm a really nice person and you can at least pass me the peace because right. I am a human being. Right. Um, but, um, but it was um, very um, eye-opening as well um, mm -hmm. to even within our own denomination right. that we have these different layers. Right. Um, we do, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. so how long have you been a priest now? Almost a year? I was priested in September of... I have it in my phone. Priest ordination, September 1st, 18. Yeah. So a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So take me back. People have told me the story about you first, the first time you celebrated Eucharist at McAllister and how that was a particularly emotional moment for you. Can you replay what that was like and how you felt? And, um, I, to celebrate Eucharist um, is a powerful event um, anyway, and, but to celebrate Eucharist with a group of people, a family of people who had chosen me to be their leader was a whole host of emotions sure. um, and and standing there at the back of the nave you know and we we stand back there before the procession and we see the backs of people's heads and um and i just got tickled by that and um but i was really overwhelmed by the responsibility and um, by the trust and the faith that people were putting in to someone that they didn't completely know yet. Mm -hmm. And all these different ages of people and stories that I was going to spend time getting to know them. And and when it became time for the Eucharist, that moment where you are, as a priest, you're taking on your, the church, um, your altar Christus. And, um, and it was particularly at the fraction. And the fraction always gets me mm -hmm. if it's because you're standing there with 
with the body of Christ and you have to break it. And I stand there and I oftentimes I don't, I'm oftentimes having this conversation with, with Christ saying, I can't do this. Don't make me break you, please. Mm -hmm. I can't break you. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then looking out and seeing all this family of people who are waiting for this and, and I just, I just cried and I couldn't help it. And, um, I tried very hard not to have my voice quiver. Um, and I, and I, I broke the host and, um, you know, alleluia, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. It's, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that was, you have moments that you remember when you're doing the Eucharist and, Mm -hmm. um, and what different things hit you. And I have a small book that I, um, that someone told me, um, to keep a running list of what goes on. And in this book, from my very first Eucharist that I celebrated, I just have a notation of the date and the Eucharist and what I was feeling or what hit me or what question I had. Um, And so every Eucharist that I've celebrated since I became ordained as a priest, I have in this book. Um, and, um, and that, that particular Eucharist service was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's yeah. beautiful and shows to your heart and your spirit where you're at with how much, how seriously you take your role as a priest and that is who you are. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's beautiful um it's good it's fun it's great it's great (laughs) um what things are you looking forward to in your ministry there um oh so many things um personally i look forward to getting to know the people in this church more and more really wanting to be a family. Mm -hmm. Um, I want, I want to be a part of this family. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's on, that's professionally, but it's also personally, um, there are some amazing, funny, fascinating stories of the people in this, in this parish. And, um, I'm wowed so many times by where they come from and what they've seen and experienced and where they've lived. And, um, and so that's something that I'm looking forward to. Another facet is helping them grow into being who God has made them to be and Mm -hmm. what he wants them to do and helping being a facilitator, being a shepherd, and helping them grow and the little ones that we have in the church um, and helping them to grow 
and to grow together and to trust one another and build those bonds. Um, and then to go out into the community. And um, I went to a funeral in the community um, on Monday of this week. And it was a very, very diverse group of people that were in this funeral. And it was a secular service. And I was sitting at the back. And I was thinking, God, what do you want me to do in this community? And I looked at all the back of the heads of the people that were in this, in this memorial service. And, and as clear as you and I are talking right now, he said, feed my sheep. Mm. And I said, mm. okay, but what does that look like? And he said, feed my sheep. <laughs> and that just kept like my heartbeat. It kept mm. it kept kept echoing in, in my body, mm. feed my sheep, feed mm. my sheep. Okay. I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but mm. that's, that's where, that's what he wants. Right. Yeah. Okay, God, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Last, um, kind of a little off topic question. Yeah. That I've, I've just been curious about, and other people have been curious about, are your awesome tattoos? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love tattoos. So this is also uh -huh. like a selfish question. Um, uh -huh. I, I've been getting more and more and I, uh -huh. I just, I think they're a wonderful self-expression that connects me to millennia of human history that we've been doing this for a very long time to symbolize all different things about our lives and where we've been and who we are. Um, so I, I'm a big fan, but do you, when did you start doing tattoos and what, what do they mean to you? And do you have any like liturgical ones or anything um, that has to do with your ministry? What? A priest with two full sleeves? What? <laughs> um, um, I, Got my first tattoo, I think, when I was 24, um, and it's the typical on your lower back kind of thing, you know, that every everybody gets. Anyway, um, and but I ha I do have some that are um, very meaningful. When I lived in Seattle, I have a kind of an Art Deco mm. style Space Needle on my ankle, and. Um, but most of them are ones that, um, that I just liked the art. And so my right or my left sleeve is all fairies and dragons and it's fantasy and color and um, it's very soft. Mm -hmm. And then the left sleeve is um, completely opposite and it's, it's all black and gray and um, it's skulls and flowers and um, mandala and, um, and I, um, I love it. And then I have a half back that's also fairies and dragons. And, and I have um, on the inside of my right wrist, I have, um, an outline of a chalice 
two stalks of wheat and two mm. small host loaves. And then above the chalice, um, it's almost like a, a hovering host. And it's a stylized IHS. And, um, and I love that um, because it reminds me of, of what I do and what I celebrate. And, um, and I do get some pretty strange looks when I'm in a collar and a short sleeve shirt, but, um, but yeah, and it's a good conversation pieces too. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah. yeah. So it's well, fun. You're, you're definitely not the only and not the first. Good. Um, you know, yeah. Canon Bill Carroll has sleeves. Oh, yeah. oh, so he yes. was like the other guy. I was so fascinated with learning about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Nadia Boltz Weber is kind of the yes. more famous woman priest that has, has a lot of yeah. Tattoo, but yeah. I think that's really, it's cool. Like, like you said, it's a conversation starter and it's kind of, who you are and your personality and what kind of sets you apart and makes people remember you, I think too, a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's awesome. Uh, oh yeah. It's fun. And with the right sleeve, I, I told the, the, um, my tattoo artist, I told him, here's what I like, but you make it your own. And mm -hmm. I just pretty much gave him my arm mm -hmm. and said, you do what you like. And, and, um, and I loved every bit of it. So, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. So it's fun stuff. Um, I guess to wrap up, thank you so much for your time, Mother Janie. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited that you're here and I'm, I'm thankful for your ministry and your, your leadership in the church. And I look up to you greatly as a aspiring woman to be a priesthood in, in the priesthood. And um, I'm just, I'm excited for, for all the things you're doing. So yeah. Thank you for being you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you for what you do also. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for joining us y'all. Be sure to sign up for the diocesan newsletter at our website epiok.org slash newsletter and follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week and peace be with you.